We are so glad you're with us this morning. Um, we are currently in a um, new series uh, for the month of December. We are, we've titled it, Let Heaven and Nature Sing. What are we singing about? We are singing about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who has come down to save mankind so that we can have life in him, we can have fellowship with him, and all of creation and all of earth rejoices at that idea that one day that he will return and establish his kingdom forever. So if you would do me a favor, um, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with, uh, with you this morning, um, there's a Bible in the pew back in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, you can take that Bible. That is a gift from us um, for you, uh, for you to study God's word and to follow along. We'll be on page 856 in the Bible that's in front of you. The title of today's sermon is A Song of Praise. We'll focus on verses 46 to 55 this morning. And last week, we focused our attention on Isaiah 9. In Isaiah 9, we focused um, our study in verse 6. Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And we saw in this passage last week, right, the doctrine of the incarnation. We saw the, the doctrine of the hypostatic union, God who is fully divine with all his attributes, also united as a human in being fully human together in Jesus Christ. And the incarnation is that God would come down from heaven as we just sang and dwell among his people, dwell among us to be like us, to testify of who the Father is and to ultimately die for the sins of the world. So, we, we, we turn our attention, realizing that, that God, the Father, through the prophets, has prophesied to God's people in the Old Testament that he would provide a Messiah to save them from their troubles, to save them from their sin. And Isaiah 9 is that prophetic word to God's people. And they waited and waited. And they waited for hundreds and hundreds of years until they saw the fulfillment of this promise. And we know the fulfillment of that promise is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So we draw our attention this morning to Luke chapter one. We're gonna be talking about Mary's song of praise. You know, it's a beautiful section in the gospel of Luke because he records Mary's song of praise. And if you, if you think about who Mary was, not, I think she was a young girl who, who was given a promise. The angel Gabriel appears to her and says, hey, by the way, you're gonna have a kid. And she's not married. She hasn't married Joseph yet. And God promises her 
that she would be the mother who would be the Messiah? And her response is praise? Now, you might look at that and say, yeah, she should be praising God. Like, he's the savior of the world. But think about what her life would be. Think about what happens. This is a young girl in a culture, a religious culture, that frowned upon women who, who had children out of wedlock. This young girl would, would be pregnant and not married. The social stigma that she would take on, the, the, the oppression that people would, would, would do, the, the things that they would say. It wasn't like she can just leave. Like In those days, they didn't like get in a car, packed up, and move to the next state. Like They lived there their entire life. Their family, their community was there. And she, by a promise from an angel, would be pregnant, and she would respond in praise. I don't know about you, but that would cause me to pause. I would be worried. I would find it difficult to trust God. I know your plan is good, but hey, like, I didn't, I didn't expect this. And I think that's a story for many of us today, that, right? Like, when we look back on our lives, we would have never, trust me, we would have never, we would have never chosen the life that we live. Not that it would be bad, but like the aspirations, the hopes, the dreams, all that changes. And I look back at my own life and say, certainly this wasn't my plan. I, I didn't plan to come to Ohio. I didn't know where Ohio was. I'm being dead serious. I didn't know Akron, Ohio. And even in my own life, having to find trust in God, who I can't see, he would orchestrate a plan for me that would bring me here, or orchestrate a plan in my own life in saving me in my trouble and deliver me from myself. So I think of Mary, right, that... She didn't plan this. And yet God would call her to bear a child. And her response is praise. I think that's encouraging for me. I'm sure it's encouraging to you that Mary found confidence. She found hope in God, her Savior, her Deliverer. And she speaks to us today by her song. She tells us God is trustworthy. Even when the obstacles, the adversities, the problems, the current situation, the past junk makes you feel or makes you think that he is not trustworthy. But this song testifies of a God who we can trust, who we can hope in, who we can have faith in in the face of the adversity, the problems, the junk, the situation, and even the good times on the mountaintops, he still can be praised. So let's read Mary's song of praise. We start at verse six on page 856. 
46, excuse me. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on my humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Verse 53. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Last verse, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Mary has a lot of reasons to praise God. She actually outlines for us in her song that God ordained by the author Luke to put it in the gospel, reasons why we ought to praise God, reasons why we ought to see God who's transcendent creator of the universe, who's big and, and, and who's powerful. We can trust him. We can place our faith in him. We have reasons to praise God. So the question we asked this morning, is God's trustworthy? And the answer is yes, and here's why. Here are some reasons why I believe, Mary believes, God is trustworthy. Reasons why she's able to look to God and say, yes, you deserve to be praised. You deserve honor. You deserve glory. The first reason we see in verse 48 is that Mary is seen by the Lord. For he has looked on her humble estate and she views herself as a servant of the Lord. She rejoices in her Savior because God, who is big, who is vast, who is transcendent, a God who exists outside of his universe, of his creation, looks down among all the generations of millions of people, and Mary is seen by God. In that moment, she is seen by the creator. She is seen by her savior. She is seen by her Lord. And she rejoices in knowing that he sees her. God recognizes her. And what does he recognize? Who she is. What we also see is not only that Mary is seen by God, but Mary is known by God. Look at the phrase that she uses. On the humble estate, estate of her servant. She didn't expect to be the object of such great affection. She didn't look on her piety and say, yes, I deserve this attention. No. She views herself in light of this transcendent God who sends an angel to deliver a message. She views herself in great humility. 
and she realizes that the God who created her, the God who she says is her Lord and Savior, is the same God who knows who she is. She is seen by God. She is known by God. She recognizes that God has given her a special place in history despite how insignificant she feels. Think about it. She says that she's humble, that she's his servant. She doesn't deserve this great honor, and yet she feels blessed that God would know who she is and God would give her a, space, a special place in his history to be known as the woman who gave birth to the Messiah. Not only is Mary seen by God and known by God, which are great reasons to praise God and reasons to trust God, we also know that Mary is loved by God. She's not only loved by God because he has given her this gift, a special gift, but I, I want to draw your attention to a, a short story in John chapter 19. In John chapter 19, it's the crucifixion story. Mary's a witness to the brutal murder of her son. And he, on the cross, looks down at Mary and in the moment tells her, not explicitly, that he cares for her, that he loves her. Because as she's witnessing her son die on the cross, he tells her that there's another son that would take care of her. He looks to John, the beloved, and tells him, that now he will be her son. And John ends the chapter by saying, right? That John the beloved would include her in his home and he would take care of her. Mary is seen by God the creator. Mary is known by God. She knows who, he knows who she is and she is loved by God. Not only by the gift, but later on, how we see how he would care for her. Mary is seen, Mary is known, and she is loved. And in the subsequent verses, verses 49 to 55, her reasons to magnify the Lord, her reasons to rejoice in the Lord, her God, her Savior, is found also not only in, in, in what he's doing for her, but also seen in his consistent faithfulness. She is reminded in the subsequent verses that God has been faithful to her, but also to God's people. She is reminded time and time again how God intervened on behalf of his people to provide, whether it's mercy, power, strength, she remembers. So let's look a little bit about that provision, about God's faithfulness. Let's look in the subsequent verses, verse 49. It says, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, 
and holy is his name. How has God been faithful? Well, verse 49 tells us God has been consistently faithful to Mary. He's been consistently faithful to his people through his strength. What God has promised and what seemed impossible to accomplish in in verse 37, God is able to do for Mary, but also what God is able to do for his people. God's strength demonstrates to us this morning, demonstrates to God's people that he is the final authority, the holy one, the king of kings, and he has the strength to do what we cannot do in our life, in the life of our loved ones, in the life of our church, in the life of our community, in the life of our city. He has the strength to do these things. He has the authority to do these things. If God was able to conquer the enemies of God's people, if God was able to open the Red Seas and the people walk on dry land, if God was able to provide manna from heaven, then surely God can provide his strength for his people because it's who he is. We also see Mary give praise to God not only for what he has done in her life, not only for his strength, but also for his mercy. God's consistent faithfulness is seen in his mercy towards Mary and towards God's people. Verse 50 describes God's loving kindness, God's hesed, to be timeless and changeless. God has mercy on his people. God has had mercy on Mary. God will have mercy on Mary. Psalms 103 says, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, those who call him by name, those who follow him, those who believe in him, those who keep his covenant, his mercies is for them and they never cease. Jeremiah the prophet in Lamentation says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. God is merciful to his people. And if he was merciful to them, and Mary says he's been merciful to them, then surely he will be merciful to you and to me. God has shown Mary his mercy. The loving kindness that he had for his people is once again exemplified in Mary. Here's a side note. Get ready. Joking. If you really want to read um, an interesting parallel, you should read 1 Samuel chapter 2. There are parallels between Hannah's prayer and Mary's song in which Hannah declares God's saving grace to her. She exalts the name of the Lord in giving her a child and the parallels of Mary's song of praise in which she exalts the name of the Lord. And both of them talk about God's great mercy to them that he would, he would give Hannah a child and he would give Mary a, a child also too. The, 
Hannah is not a foreshadow of Mary. They're just parallel stories. They're consistent stories that God has been faithful to his people. Most importantly, God has been faithful to women in Scripture. God has responded to women in Scripture. God loves women. He needs them. He's created them in their image. They are valuable to him. You are valuable to God, and you are part of his redemptive story. And we see that in the story of Hannah, and we see that in the story of Mary. But we also see another consistent character, an attribute of God, of his faithfulness, another way that you and I can trust him, a way that that Mary has trusted him, is that she sees, you and I see, is God's justice. Mary turns from considering God, from God's consistent faithfulness to her and turns to God's justice for his people. God has demonstrated his faithfulness to his people by protecting them, by delivering them from their enemies, by disciplining their enemies. God shows his faithfulness when he executes his judgment on those who do harm to his people. And God has revealed that to Mary, that what she says, he has shown his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those in a humble state. God executes his justice on behalf of his people. And this is also somewhat prophetic that Mary is looking to a future hope, a future vindication in which God will execute his justice on those who have opposed him. God would deliver us from those who have oppressed us, who tyrannized us. God is going to deliver his people once and for all in a future hope where there will be peace, there will be love, there will be joy, and there won't be violence and tyranny and oppression and strife. There will be peace. What we also see in this passage is God's great power. Mary contemplates all the reasons why she ought to praise God. And in this story, it should encourage us that we ought to praise God because of his great power. When we think of his power, we are drawn to his ability to do the impossible. In the first century, it was expected that poor people were to be poor. And then in this passage, she says that he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Now, when we think of his power, we think that God is going to destroy um, his enemies. But yes, that is true. But in this sense, God has the power to satisfy our needs. God has the power to fill us up with the things that only come from him. God is going to satisfy by his power his people through the son, Jesus. You see, much in our culture, in our world today, is predicated on our wealth, on what we have, what we've accomplished, 
what we can do, our capabilities, our abilities, our giftings. We find our identity, we find our value, we find our worth in comfort, in power, in control, in influence, and money. And this is what we see all across the world. This is why people invest their life in materialism and wealth. Not that those things are bad, those things are good, they're gifts of God, but when you find value in what you own, when you find value in who you are, when you find value in what you can do, then you are not satisfied by the sun. You are satisfied by yourself. This is what Luke talks about in the Beatitudes, right? Those who hunger, those who thirst, will be satisfied. By who? It's not a thing. It's a person. We are satisfied by the Son and His God's great power that allows us to do so. I'm not saying that the things that we have in this world are bad. All I'm saying is that when we find our value and worth in those things, then it only leaves us wanting more. And there's never more. But when we find our value, our hope and trust in the name of Jesus, in the person of Jesus, then we are satisfied with what we have. And what we don't have doesn't overwhelm us because we have the gift giver we have Jesus. That's all we need, especially in the face of adversity, especially in the face of obstacles. All we need is Jesus. Amen. Money cannot buy you happiness or joy. Wealth cannot satisfy the loneliness you feel, but yet God can give you grace and mercy, peace and joy and love and hope when you're desperate, when you're in need. God has the power to do this. God also shows his provision. Mary sings a song of praise. Mary trusts God because God is a God who provides. Not necessarily the things that she needs, but what has God provided? Look at verse 55. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offsprings forever. What has God provided? God historically has provided for his people not the, the things that they need, but he has provided promises. He has provided covenants with his people. When Adam sinned, God promised that one day he will provide a way out of sin and death. God promised Noah that he would never destroy the earth with a flood. God's covenant with Abraham was to bless him in two ways. Out of his offspring would become a great nation, and he would have a great name. And also through him, God would mediate blessings to his people. What God promised to Moses is that he would make the nation of Israel, his people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a treasured possession. God has made promises to his people. God has provided these promises and God has been faithful to his promises. And we also see 
that God has promised David that he would provide a king that would sit on his throne forever. Did not God do it? Has he not provided? When the nations have come to destroy Israel, has he not provided promises to the prophets? God can be trusted because God has been consistently faithful to his people and Mary sees God's provision in his promises and she has put her trust, she has put her faith in the God who saves her in the God who is her Lord. The remnant of God's people, the people who fear God, the people who have put their trust in God can count on his deliverance because he did it before and he'll do it again. God's response to his people is grounded in his covenant of mercy and love towards his people. God will take special care of his people through his son Jesus The promises made before are now realized through the birth of the Messiah. And this is what Mary is praising God for. She's praising God that she is seen, she is known, she is loved by God, but also that he has been consistent, he has been faithful to his people. So as Mary sings this song, the reason for her praise is that she stands in awe of a surprising glory. What is this surprising glory? Is all of God's character, all of his attributes, all of his splendor, all of his investment in the universe, all his investment in his people. She is in awe of this great God and she responds to God with great praise, remembering how he's been faithful to her, remembering how he's provided for her, remembering how God has been good to his people. And she is in great awe of who God is that she would write a song to him. She would write a song in response to his glory. So my question for you this morning, is God trustworthy? Has God not been faithful? Mary sure seems to think so. Now I do want to say, that I know for many people in this room, as we're talking about the birth of Jesus, I can't help but think that there are people in this room that are reminded of great grief and loss of a child. As Mary is praising God about the gift giver, that she would be the one To bear this child, I can't help but think that there are women in this room who are reminded at one time who have lost a child, whether in the womb, whether they've grown up, and you read this passage and you say, it's difficult for me to praise God because I don't have the ability to to bear a child or I've lost a child. I've miscarried a child. And our child is no longer with us. 
And Mary seems to have great joy in this God who's given her a child, but, but I want one too, or at one time I did and I couldn't now. I can't help but think there are people in this room, people watching online who are feeling that hurt and that pain. They remember the time they've lost their child or the time they tried and couldn't. I want to encourage you, look at me. Everyone in this room, look at me. Everyone watching online, I know you're looking. I want you to look at me, especially you women. Just as Mary, you too are seen, you are known, and you are loved by the same God who is the gift giver. And the pain and the hurt and the grief that you feel is only meant to draw you closer to the Lord. Why? Because you are seen. You are loved. You are known by him. And God has been faithful. And he will be faithful to you too. He will be faithful to you. Is God trustworthy? Yes. God is trustworthy. You can trust him with your past. You can trust him with your present. And I assure you, you can trust him for your future. Let's pray. Father God, in this moment, we pause and think about how Mary gave you great praise under an insurmountable pressure. This young girl who would, who would bear the son God, we, we confess that there are times that we don't feel that you're trustworthy. It's hard to trust you when, when we're grieving, when we're hurting, when we're in pain, when the, the marriage is broken and the children are wayward. It's difficult to praise you, God, when we're going through difficult times. But in the midst of those trials, God, we know we can praise you because we are seen, we are known and loved by a transcending God who's imminent, who's near. Your son is near to us. Therefore, God, we can rejoice along with Mary. We can trust you along with Mary knowing that you are faithful, knowing that you will be faithful. And we stand in awe of your surprising glory. We stand in awe of who you are and what you have done. God, I, God, I pray that the song, Mary's song, would be an encouragement this morning and this week when we're tempted to believe 
that you are not trustworthy, that you have not been faithful. You cannot be faithful. We pray this in Christ's name and the people of God say. This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.